Consider with me the power of influence. Influence can be for good or it can be for bad. The Bible speaks of the dangers of evil influences. And that's one that we need to consider. From the very beginning, Eve was influenced by Satan. And then Eve influenced her husband. Later, what we see is the children of Israel. When they came out of Egypt, why would God do that? To bring them out. To get them away from the influence of Egypt. Bring them out into the wilderness where they're among themselves. But then there was evil influences among themselves, so they had to let those die out. And in a generation later, then that generation was one that went in. When they went into the land, what happened? They failed to drive out the evil influences around them, as God had said. And then what happened is they began to marry among them. They began to do the things they did, and in many cases they did worse. That's the power of influence. And what you began to see is that later they wanted a king like the nations around about them. They wanted to be like other people, yet God did not have that design for his people. He gave them laws to make them distinct from other people. He taught them to eat differently, to dress differently, to worship differently, to act differently. And that was weird to other people. Later what you see is there were other people who spoke about God's people. And, and if you look at the language of what is said about at the time of them, after they go into Babylonian captivity and they come back and then they're trying to rebuild... One of the things that was said, these people are diverse from all other people. They have strange laws. And that's what people thought of the Jews, is that they are different. They are weird in that way. But yet, God was teaching them that for a reason, to be separate, to be different for a reason. Well, what happened was, you find Solomon marries wives who are of a different faith, of a different belief. They worship differently. They influenced him and drew his heart away. That's the power of influence. Influences can be very dangerous. Proverbs speak many times about the danger of influences. In the very beginning of Proverbs 1, there's the, the, there's the admonition of a father to a son saying, if sinners entice you to go and to do these things, to, to commit violence, to steal, to, to do things, they might try to say, you can be one of us and fit in with one of us. It's a farce. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. Don't follow with that crowd. This is why God taught His people, don't follow a multitude to do evil. There is a nature within us that we tend to be like the people we're around. And so influences can have a very dangerous and damaging effect on us. We need to be aware that who we are around, we are very likely to become like them. Now, you know this is true if you are building a fire. Let's say you take these charcoals. 
Why do you put the charcoals together? And what happens with one charcoal, you separate it from the other, it doesn't take very long for that charcoal to cool off. You put it back in the fire, it'll heat back, back up. We get this point. When people are away from God's people, well, then there's a lack of good influence. When people are around evil influences, you see the terrible combination that you have there. In my experience, in looking at brethren, in trying to figure out why do some stick it out and stay faithful, and why do some drift, and why do they go away from the faith, what is the difference that tends to anchor some people to be settled and they're sure and they're steadfast and they stay faithful compared to those who drift? Well, there are a few patterns and tendencies that I see. And this may not be the case with every single situation, but what I do see is if you take a combination of, for example, someone who's last to show up first to leave, there's no spending time, there's no tying strings, we don't get together with each other, we're not all here when we are here, but I'm spending time with people out in the world, but I don't make time to spend time with my brethren, that is a recipe for drifting. It tends to be that way. Now, maybe you can find some exceptions to that rule, but I think that is a tendency. When I look at myself and I think, I've got to be thankful for the good influences in my life. I am forever in gratitude for brethren who have influenced me for right. I have to say I need good, faithful brethren who will hold me accountable, who will encourage me, when they see that I'm going astray, they will come to me and tell me, while that might be uncomfortable, but they care about me. Brethren who will influence me for good. I need brethren. I need the church. I need to be a part of other followers. However, I need to be an influence on people of the world. But I don't need people of the world to be an influence on me. And there's where the, the rub is. That we've got to make sure we try to get this right and get the balance right. If you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, I, I want us to see if we're going to understand the danger of evil influences. One of the things we've got to do first off is I've got to accept that if I do what is right, there are going to be other people who are not going to accept me. I've got to be okay with that. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he talks about verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. This is a a powerful tool. You have to prepare your mind. It's, it's like weaponizing, weaponizing your life with the right weapon, a spiritual weapon here. 
to fight the temptations of the flesh. You've got to be prepared to endure some ill treatment from those who are outside of the faith. And so he says, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. And what he's saying is, if you know that Jesus was not accepted by all people, you won't either if you follow Jesus. And so he says, For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may have sufficed us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. In other words, we've spent enough time being like the world. Let's spend the rest of our time not following ourselves and our own desires. Let's follow God and glorify Him. But you've got to understand when you do that, your old friends are going to see you differently when you do that. Verse 4, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excessive riot speaking evil of you. You've got to accept there are going to be people who are going to think you're strange if you don't do what they do. That's just the way it is. It's okay. Because you have a family. If you, if you have been bought by the blood of Christ and you are in His body, you have a family that you can have a bond with it's okay, though, if those outside of the faith look at you in, in, in strange ways because you don't do what they do. That's okay. You also need to see that worldliness chokes out the Word. Look at Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13... In verse 22, in talking about the different kinds of soils, there's some soil that the seed can take root in, but there's other kinds where a seed gets in there only shallow ways, and it doesn't last. And so what he talks about here in Matthew 13, verse 22 he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. I've got to guard myself against those thorns. I've got to guard myself against the things that want to come in and invade and keep me from growing. And what that is, is the care of the world. Wanting to be like everybody else. Wanting to do what everybody else does. Wanting what they want. Caring about worldly things. I've got to guard my... Because here's what happens. If I'm, my focus is on things of the world, I have less hunger for the truth. It chokes out the word. It's going to restrict the Word from taking root and growing in my life. Because, you know what? I'm so busy and I'm so 
involving my life in all of these outward pursuits that do not really help my soul, but steals my heart away from what is most important. And if I'm aware that that can happen to me, I've got to stay in the Word. And I've got to have more of a desire for God's Word than for the things of the world. We're taught friendship with the world is enmity with God. If you are a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. We've got to love God more than the world. And we've got to understand, too, if you go to Matthew 24, listen to what he says here. This doesn't just happen to people of the world. This can happen to a person who once heard the word, who once received it, who maybe was raised and maybe is doing right for a while. But what can happen is, Matthew 24, verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Iniquity abounds. Here's what I think happens, is that when you see what the world does and you know certain things are blatantly wrong, our first reaction, if that's something new, we're not used to it, we might be disgusted by wicked behavior. But what becomes... Uh, the problem is if I see that a lot and I see it a lot and I'm around it a lot, what tends to happen is I become desensitized to it. I'm not as abhorred by it. I'm not bothered by it as much, little by little, until it becomes more normal, until I become accepting of it, until I'm actually doing that thing myself. And I think that's what he's saying. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It, it, it can cause me to lose my zeal. I need to hate what God hates. I need to love what God loves. If God hates pride, I need to hate pride. I need to hate lying. I need to hate. Because all liars shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. But if all of my friends lie, then I begin to think, well, everybody lies. It's not that big of a deal. We all, we all do it. And so it looks normal to me. If I hear vulgar words, if I'm not used to that, I can tell you, I'm not used to that. There is a difference in the culture here than what I am used to in the South. I'm not saying people in the South did not use foul language. But I was not accustomed to it near as much. When I first got here, I had culture shock. Hearing 70-year-old ladies say F-words as if it's part of the normal, uh, part of the language, I was not accustomed to that. Didn't hear that. At first, it was like, whoa, this is very different to me. But what can happen over time is, well, that's normal. Nobody talks that way. And to the point where maybe I'm, I'm watching a show and I hear language. At first it might be like, I can't watch that. But then if, the, if it's in every show, 
after a while, I become desensitized to it. And I think, well, I'm not going to talk that way, but they're, they're talking that way. Everybody does it, so... And then after a while, I, I become immune to what I'm hearing around me so that I'm not bothered by that foul language anymore. What, what I think we need to have in us, I'm, I'm not disgusted at people themselves, but I should be disgusted at some behaviors. I should still hate some behaviors I, 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 I need to have a detest in myself and distaste towards all sin while I'm patient with people who are caught up with sin, in, in sins. But I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, well, then I start doing it. Or it starts invading my mind and I start hearing these words and, until eventually it may want to slip out of my own mouth. But we, maybe we tell ourselves, well, I can watch these shows that have this language and it's not, oh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. Or I can listen to the music that has this kinds of uh, foul language in it and it's not going to bother me. I might tell myself that. But eventually, what's going to end up happening? I'm going to be influenced. Um... In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, it may not always be just like an outright sinful behavior itself. It could just be caring about what other people care about. And maybe in a little bit more subtle ways. I don't really know exactly what happened to Demas. But you can feel Paul's disappointment. You can feel his agony for Demas when he says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. We need to be careful about who I consider close friends. Where do I get my counsel from? This is why Psalm 1 teaches, Blessed is the man who walks not, does not stand, does not sit in these places among the wicked. Where do I get my counsel? This, this is an interesting thing. Sometimes what will happen is a Christian will go to the world for advice on marriage, on how to raise children, on work ethic, on how to treat one another, on true joy, on building yourself up, and so we get, we, get our, uh, we get our information more from self-help books or from our friends of the world telling us how we ought to live, how we ought to think, how we ought to raise our kids rather than what God has said about it. Where do we need to really get our advice from? We need to receive our advice from those who are following a godly example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul makes a point that we, we need to grab hold of. In 2 Corinthians 6, in verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? 
What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath with Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The problem was the Corinthians were getting a little too much of Corinth in them. I think that's true because in the first letter, chapter 15, there were some who were influenced by the people in their culture about the resurrection and the afterlife. And some were even believing there wouldn't even be a resurrection. And that's when he says, evil communications corrupt good morals. Ha having companions among people who do not think right or not taught to think right can corrupt what you've been taught. When I think about my own brother who I love, who's not currently faithful, my heart breaks when I think about that. But I, I, I look and I see, I can point to the friend when he started to change, started to pull him away. Why is that? That's the power of evil influences among other people. And this is where I think a parent needs to be prepared and be okay with saying, you know what, please do not hang around that friend. And make it even stronger than a please. And forbid some relationships, forbid them to have that kind of influence. And teach them how to choose the right kinds of influence. But, Let's look at the flip side. I've talked about the dangerous parts, but there are good parts too that I want you to also see. That man in, in, Psalm, in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not sit and stand and walk in, in the paths of the scornful and the, and, and the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates in it day and night. He's being influenced by the word of God. And you know what's going to happen to him? He's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's going to be fruitful. And whenever storms come, he's not going to be uprooted easily. You want to have roots that go deep and you want to be firmly planted and so that you can't be plucked up so easily? You need strong relationships with people who are faithful. And we need to influence other people. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, we're taught... You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It stands for good for nothing. Be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. If you lose your saltness, what, I mean, what does salt do? It has a saving influence. It has a, a ability to preserve food and flavor food for, for the good. If you're not flavoring the world and having a saving influence on the world... What are you? You've lost your purpose as a Christian if you don't have that kind of saving influence. 
Are you allowing the world to win you back to the world, or are you trying to win the world to the Lord? Is that's that's a double-edged sword there, and 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 you got to be careful with it. Why we need to guard against, and there's some people we just need to totally avoid altogether. At the same time, there are people that we need to be trying to reach out to who might have some bad habits that we're trying to win, but in the process of doing that, we need to try to not let their bad habits creep into our life. And in Jude, in verse 21, we see that line being balanced. Look at Jude in verse 21. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ in eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So there's a distinction. There are some people, you need to be patient with them. You need to have compassion. You need to realize they're not where you are, you, you need to understand that there's a growth process in that, okay? But then there are others, though, that you need to make sure you don't get burned yourself whenever you're trying to get them out of the fire. So there is a, a quickness, an urgency, a, a sense of the danger. I think the idea, if, if analogy is here, if you think about a firefighter, what does he do? Does he go into the burning house and say, you know what, let's just go in there and let's sit down, let's, let's talk a while, let's stay a while. You know, let's hang out. Uh, that is exactly the, the, the foolish approach, right? You know, he's in there as quick as possible and he better be wise and he better get out or he's going to be burnt himself. But you care about the person, so you want to help them, but just make sure you don't get it on you. That's the trick. It's like, it's like you're, you're trying to wear a white garment and you're going down into a coal mine and you're trying to not get the, the coal on you. That, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I think this is why sometimes we wrestle with the idea, well, wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Didn't he eat with sinners? He did. Yet there are passages that teach there are some you need to avoid. Well, I don't think he was going into taverns and sitting down at the bars and, 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 and talking to people who were drinking and, and, and he was there drinking with them like one of the guys. That's not what he was doing. I think what he was doing, though, is he cared about people who were caught up in those sins and who wanted to repent. And he was interested in them as people and he wanted to help them. He, he did care about them and have patience towards them. He spent time with them. And some people didn't understand that. But I, I think you need to understand the balance between the two. Of, of not being influenced and not hanging out, per se, with someone that's going to influence you. But yet you need to care about people and seek opportunities to try to win them to the faith. You've got to understand that there can be bad influences sometimes even in a church. What do you do with that? 
Well, it was alluded to in the class a little bit with 1 Corinthians 5. There was a man who had his father's wife. Well, what was happening was that was a, like leaven. It had a leavening influence. And so what Paul says is you need to purge out the leaven that you may be a new lump. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sin starts spreading and, and it will invade in the church. So what you do is whenever, whenever there's a sinful influence within the church, as uncomfortable as it is, you've got to deal with it. Now, there's a right and wrong way to deal with it. You deal with it as quietly as possible. In that case, it was well known and it was reported commonly. They, it was already in the open. They needed to deal with it. And the goal is that you really want the person to repent. You want them to change. But if they refuse to repent and they're persistent in their sin, can you just turn a blind eye to that behavior? It's not that you're saying they can't come and listen, but you're not going to keep company and you're not going to eat with them. That's hard. That's hard. Because of the, the, the influence, though. I will say this, though, whenever it comes to... Let, let's say, well, suppose somebody has another rebuttal. What if they say, well, what if somebody in, within the church annoys me? What if there are things that brethren do sometimes that frustrate me? Well, in this case, what I want to do is... I want to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and see what Moses did. I, I think this is an important principle on that point. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24 begin. You've got to understand where Moses came from. He was raised in royalty. He was raised in riches and, and educated among the Egyptians, being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He had access to every kind of available luxury and amenity, but Hebrews 11 and verse 24 puts it this way. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect and the recompense of the reward. Did Moses have his challenges among God's people? He did. They murmured. Some of them doubted. A lot of them doubted. They rebelled against the authority. They falsely accused Moses. They, 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 they didn't appreciate God's provisions that he was giving them from the, from the sky. They, they backtracked. They wore Moses down. But yet, I take comfort here that Moses would rather deal with that among God's people. And so would I. I think, I think you, and you have to decide this. I would rather deal with frustrating situations with brethren within the church than I would dealing with the problems and being among people outside of the faith. I would much rather do that even though there may be some challenges with that. And I take the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 84, verse 10. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to be in the tents of wickedness. I would rather deal with the challenges that come up within a church 
than I would to be out there. And so what I want to encourage you to do is help your brethren. Be a good influence. Be around brethren. Tie strings with brethren. When you look at Acts chapter 2, you see that the reason why the church in the first century grew, no wonder they grew. They believed in what they had been taught. It was very genuine to them. They were passionate about the faith. And it says that they were together. And they had all things common. And they continued. They broke their bread from house to house with gladness and singleness of heart. That's the recipe for people to grow together. Now, whenever they're growing together, there's probably going to be times when you rub elbows. But what do you do? You, 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 and, and you see that throughout Acts. You see it in Acts chapter 5. We see a man and his wife that agree to lie, even though they're being generous. Well, when they died because of that, the, church, the rest of the people didn't just say, well, you know what, here's two bad apples within the church, so I'm going to leave the church. No. They grew. They got serious because they thought, I want to fear this God who punished them. I don't want to be punished. Maybe I need to be more genuine and be more faithful. I think that's why they grew. But then later in chapter 6, what do you see? They start neglecting the widows among themselves, or some of the widows. But what they do, they dealt with that problem. They found a way to, to do it. Later in chapter 15, they've got some problems where someone uh, uh, pressed the Judaizing uh, teaching. Upon the Gentiles. But they came together. They dealt with it. They, and they, they hashed it out. And they came to the right conclusion of how they needed to solve that issue. I would rather do that. And deal with those challenges. Whatever those are. Those are far more tame. And far better of, of, of challenges. Than to live till Friday to get drunk on the weekend. And then the next, day, next week start all over. The way the world does it. I would ten times rather struggle with my brethren. But I, I want to make time whenever there's a brother who needs me. If you need me, call me. And we need to make time to get together and tie strings together. Now we need to help each other be wise towards those who are outside and try to influence them. And, and we need to redeem the time. And we need to have our grace seasoned with salt so we can influence them in the best way. And then whenever they come in, we need to be like what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, that if an unbeliever comes into an assembly, that they're being edified and they see these people, the God is within them. And you want to know what is the, the reason there that he says would cause them to say, God is in you and, and, and their heart becomes convicted and they decide, I want to be a part of this group is they see these people are genuine about serving God and they love each other. In John chapter 13, in verse 35, Jesus said, All the world will know that you are my disciples for the love you have toward, toward one another. If the world comes into an assembly and they see these are people who really want to serve God, they're not just playing church. They turn to the passages... I can tell they're, they're paying attention. These people are genuine about serving God. And then they stand around and they talk a little bit. Try, and then they spend time with each other outside. And then they're trying to encourage each other. 
I think that's going to go a long way. And then if they see, well, maybe there's a little bit of a rift, but they see that we handle it well. I think that's going to go further to someone coming in and, and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a church that's joyous and a church that has the fire of God within them. And this, this church is different because they, they are people of God. That's ultimately what we want. And you and I need that. And we need to be that for other people. And so the end result is to ask myself and you ask yourself, am I being an influence for good for others? Am I setting a good example? I don't want to be the cause that someone would want to ever go astray because they were, they're following me and my bad example. But if I've done that, I can change that. I can repent. If you've done that, you can repent. If you're not a child of God yet, if you haven't made that commitment and that decision, I, I want to encourage you, come into the faith. Come into the family of God. You, you need that kind of a support system. Be first converted to the Lord. Believe that He's the Christ. Believe that He died for your sins. Be willing to change your ways and confess Him that you believe Him. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. Become part of us. And then you'll have a family as a, and a support group to help you. And if we have an issue among ourselves, hopefully we'll, we'll deal with it. And, and hopefully we'll handle it appropriately in the right way. And if we don't, let's, let's change that and do the right thing. If you're a Christian... I want to encourage you, make friends and tie strings with brethren more than you do people of the world. Make sure that brethren are influencing. And then, but then reach out to people of the world, but your closest of friends and those you get your advice from need to come from people who are following God. I encourage you that. If you need to make any correction, won't you come? Why we stand?